how many have been a part of the series we've been doing called Out of the Box? You notice that. And if this is your first time and you're probably wondering, you know, uh, where's the Christmas tree? Where was the Christmas tree? Because I know it was there when Jesus was born. Where are the candy canes? And where's the clown at the party? Where's Santa Claus? Where are they? You know, you know, we started this series out of the box. You soon realize the first Christmas was um, not ribbons, it wasn't bows, it, it was out of the box. It was out of the box. And so we just kind of took a dive in our first, our first message that, you know, all this stuff wasn't here. Some of the things we've, our tradition has put on and, uh, and some of those things are inaccurate, you know. We start delving into stuff like, uh, is December 25 really his birthday? And blew my mind it was not December 25. And we started delving in. You know, I love that story about the innkeeper. And then when we went to Israel, we discovered there was no inn. The Bible says it's an inn, but when you look in the Greek, it's called katalum. It's a katalum. It's a room inside of a home and uh, kind of tucked back in there. And that's where they would keep the animals in the katalum during the wintertime. And when you go outside, how many saw the, the cave out there? That, that's inside the home. They built their homes into the caves. And that's what that looks like out there. We tried to replicate that catalum. And hats off to all of those that worked so hard to make that. I mean, they built that. I mean, that looks pretty cool. It looks, looks movie prop real, you know? The wise men, you know, you got your nativity set at home and you got the wise men there. Well, the wise men didn't show up till he was probably two years old. I mean, all of these things. Now, you say, do you want me to go out and go smash my nativity set? No, not for what you paid for it. Heavens no. And it's, it's, it, people say, well, is that a big deal? It's really not a big deal. The big deal is, is Jesus Christ did come, lived a sinless life, was crucified on a cross, rose from the dead and is coming back for those who say he is my Lord and Savior and I follow him. How many know that's the big deal? Amen. That's the big deal. The problem arises though when we take traditions and we put God in a box where he has something great or we put other things around it where he has something great that he wants to bring out of the box. And we put God in a box. There's nothing wrong with tinsel and light, but listen, if your marriage doesn't end up being ribbons and bows and everything pretty and nice, or you need a healing, or you're asking God to help you with your, your kids, and there's dysfunction happening in the family, but the way God delivers things is not ribbons and bows. You say, wait a minute, that's what God did for this other family. Why is he not doing this? Then what happens is, is when you put God in a box, then you start abandoning God, and you start accusing God, and you start withdrawing from God. And if you're looking for God to come a certain way, sometimes you can miss him. And here's how I know this. The reason I know this is when we go back to that first Christmas, a lot of people missed him then. Because they were looking Messiah, the Redeemer, to come with royal robes, with trumpets, with gold and silver. They were looking for him to overthrow the Roman government, to establish a government, to free the people. And everybody had this concept, so they squeezed God into this box, and they missed the very gift then. So I can promise you, 
If many of them were missing Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Redeemer of all mankind, then I can promise you there's a bunch of people missing him now. Right now. It's because sometimes, well, if he's really God, then why? And then we find that Satan starts building these boxes. And when you do that, you miss him. You end up living in a box and your destiny never, ever comes out of the box for what God intended you to be, to be redeemed, saved, made whole, real in him. So you find in the Christmas story, we've been doing this series, and I've been sticking with these three points the whole series. I've never done that in my life, but it's like the Holy Spirit gave me four, four points, excuse me, the whole time that how Satan holds people in this box. But God wants you to come out of the box. But sometimes the box doesn't look all pretty and nice. There are things that Satan uses to hold you in the box. And one of the first things we found that the enemy uses is he teases consternation. He did it with Mary and Joseph. Fear, anxiety, panic. Now let me explain something to you. The world in which Jesus the Redeemer came into was full of consternation and fear. I mean, you talk about a fearful group of people, the Jewish people, the nation of Israel. Fearful. I mean, it was bad. How many know there's a lot of fear happening right now in our world right now? Doesn't take very long to see the wars happening around the Middle East, the Ukraine. Doesn't take very long to see. There's chaos everywhere. We have such a divided nation. We're a fearful nation. When's the next pandemic going to hit? Now, how many of you love when Christmas kind of helps you withdraw from all that just to get some peace in your life? It does. And I love the songs we get to sing, okay? One of the songs we're going to sing later during our candlelight time, it's going to be Silent Night. How many of you love Silent Night? Silent Night, Holy Night. All is calm, all is bright. I have a problem, though, with the title of that song. What is the word holy doing beside the word night? Because nighttime is when most of the crimes occur in this country. What's holy doing beside that? I mean, think about it for a moment. When you look at the shepherds out there in the, out in the, out in the, out in the field, we were there in Bethlehem where we saw the hillsides where the, where the shepherds probably were. I mean, they were there when the, when the child was born, when Jesus Christ was born. But what were the shepherds doing out there in the fields? They weren't out there waiting for the angelic host. The reason they were there was to protect their sheep because at night there were thieves that would steal their sheep and there were wolves that would eat their sheep alive. The reason they were there is because it wasn't a calm night. That's when the worst stuff happens. Can I tell you, Satan puts people in fear and consternation, holds them in a box. So. Let me take you to the, where the Christmas story was first really told. It was 700 years before Jesus was actually born. And a, a prophet by the name of Isaiah begins to speak to Israel. And he explained Christmas before anybody experienced the first Christmas or this Christmas. 700 years before Jesus was born. He explained it before they experienced it. And here's the problem with Israel back when he wrote it. In Isaiah chapter 8, the nation of Israel was living, if you will, in the darkest period. If I put this lid on this box and you were able to get in, it'd be the darkest place in this building. And the Bible says they were living in darkness. They were in the darkest period of life, spiritually, nationally. I mean, look what Isaiah says. Here's what he said in Isaiah 9-2. He said, the people who walk in darkness, though, will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, 
a light will shine. And buddy, were they in it. Their nation was attacked by the Assyrians. The Assyrians conquered Israel and annexed the northern kingdom. And now this, country, this nation of Assyria, they were powerful, they were cruel, they raped their daughters, they emasculated their men, they demoralized the nation. I mean, they came in and evaded everything and they were in the darkest place. And in fact, the Bible says that Israel was stumbling in darkness under the oppression and the rule of the dreaded Assyrians. It was real, folks. It was very real. And let me tell you why people live in that consternation, that fear. He explains why Israel was in it. Look what he says in Isaiah chapter 3, verse 8. It says, for Jerusalem will stumble and Judah will fall. Here's why. Because they speak out against the Lord and refuse to obey him. They provoke him to his face. Here are the chosen people of God, ignoring God, and they're rejecting God's words and his ways. In fact, let me tell you, how, let me tell you Israel, the people, God's chosen people. Let me tell you what they've done. They were going back to witchcraft. They started consulting mediums. They were, called, they were talking to the dead. They got involved in idols. They got involved in all types of immorality. And they're walking in darkness. God says, the reason you're in the box and living in fear is because you're living in this darkness. But God always has an answer for the darkness. Then he's got an answer for your darkness right now if you're in it. And look what he said in verse 9. Here's the answer. He says, for a child is born to us. A son is given to us. Not just Sam Rifkogel, us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. God says, when you start obeying and start following me and realize I have your best interest at heart, you go from consternation to living in determination. God says, I'll bring out of you determination instead of all the fear and consternation. Just like Mary and Joseph who faced consternation, oh man, did they? They went to determination. The angel declared to them that day, says, fear not. And they had a lot to fear. They had an oppressive Roman government. King Herod was going to kill their boy, Jesus. They were ridiculed and mocked. But the obedience they had for God, obedience and obeying God, takes you out of the box and helps you walk in determination. Joseph obeyed God by his obedience. And can I tell you, if you're living in fear, listen to the words of Mary after she was told, you're carrying the Christ, the Messiah. So you're carrying it. And look what Mary said. She said, for the word of God will never fail. You want to live in peace? Follow him, obey him, because the word of God will never fail. And never fail. Never will. Never will. Maybe Satan's walling you in with that. Or maybe some of you, it's condemnation. The enemy loves to hold people in condemnation. But you know what God gives you? He holds you in that, condemning you. You're not good enough. You can't. If anybody knew about your sin, you messed up too bad. But Jesus came to give us identification in him, not in our sins, not in the way we used to be, but identification in him. And Mary and Joseph, can I just tell you, Mary and Joseph felt condemnation from the world that was around them. They felt it. I mean, you, some of you hear, heard me teach this, but back then, even the, the history tells us that some people claimed that Mary was raped by a Roman soldier. Others claimed she had a lover outside of Joseph. Even in that time, Joseph, they said, was a fornicator. 
They didn't even realize, but their son would feel what they had felt for years. In fact, Jesus Christ, when he stood before the teachers of the law and he started saying, you guys are not really true sons of Abraham. And you know what they said to him in John 8, 41? They said, we are not born of sexual immorality. The teachers of the law looked at Jesus, the ones looking for Messiah and said, your daddy and mama were fornicators and we were born of sexual immorality. We are true seeds of Abraham, you're not. Jesus felt that condemnation from the world. So if you're feeling condemned by the world and maybe even by people in church, you're in good company because Jesus felt it. Mary and Joseph felt it. I mean, everybody, everybody looks forward to getting together with family. I think most of you are looking forward to getting with your family. I mean, I know some of you are going, man, my family's granolas, all fruits, nuts, and flakes. I'm telling you, I know you. But you want to talk about a family tree? You want to talk about condemnation? Have you ever looked at Jesus Christ, his family tree? I know you see the holy family. I know that Mary was righteous and, and Joseph lived righteous lives and followed God. But in that day, especially in that day, if you wanted to be great, you had to have the right genealogy to be great. So let me put it this way. When you presented your genealogy in the time when Jesus was born, you would put the people you were the proudest of the most, the greatest accomplishments in your genealogy so you could get status and position. And I am amazed at who God puts in the lineage of Jesus Christ. There are other women that people want to ignore in the Bible that are in Jesus Christ's genealogy. Let me give you a few of them. There's this woman named Tamar. There's a woman named Rahab, the Old Testament says. It's in Jesus' lineage. A woman named Ruth. A woman named Bathsheba. It's changed the status of women forever when God puts these women in the genealogy of Jesus. So you say, what's so big about these ladies? Well, first of all, they were Gentiles. To the Jews, they were unclean people, not worthy of Messiah, the Redeemer. They were ritually unclean. So let me just put you here. Rahab was a Canaanite. She was a pagan. She came from a pagan background. Ruth was a Moabite. Pagans again. Rahab, remember Jericho? Remember the walls of Jericho? You remember what she did for a living? She was a madam. Prostitute. How about Bathsheba? You remember Uriah's wife? You remember that story? You remember David married her? And David commits adultery with her? and then murders her husband, gets him knocked off. And even the Bible slams David. He, they slams David by saying, and David's wife, and David, Bathsheba, and they called her Uriah's wife. Didn't call her David's wife, they called her Uriah's wife. My point is this. God put a sinless savior in that family lineage. What is his point? His point is this. Is Jesus didn't come for sinners. Jesus came from sinners. He came from them. And that's the reason why there had to be a virgin birth conceived by the Holy Spirit because no other family lineage could touch the holiness, the sinlessness of God himself. But yet God, you see, sinners and their failures in the genealogy of Jesus are the point. They are the point. Failures and sinners are the point in the story. That God says in the middle of this cesspool and paganism, immorality and all this, I'm going to send my, send my sinless son into the middle of all that because that's what I love. That's what I redeem. 
And that's why Jesus Christ, the sinless Lamb of God, redeems you from your sins when you receive him. So you might live in condemnation, but you can go to identification. And that's why Paul says this in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. He says, so now, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. You want to know why everybody's happy, happy in this place? You want to know why we seem joy to the world different than other people? It's because we knew what we used to be, but thank God we're not what we used to be anymore because of the blood of Jesus Christ. He's what comes, he comes into the life of sinners. And he's ready to come for you. Here's the problem though. When you live in consternation, you live in that, in that condemnation, here's what you start doing. You start isolating from people. Isolation is one of the worst things. You know what God wants? He doesn't want you to live in isolation. He wants you to be associated with him. That's what happens in there. Mary, she could have isolated. Joseph could have isolated. There's a lot of people isolating right now. I tell you, if you're isolating, it's one of the biggest tactics Satan uses. Mary and Joseph, they could have isolated themselves because of what people are saying about them. Even Joseph said, I want to put her away. But God says, don't isolate, associate with your wife. Get closer to your spouse. There's some of you that are isolating not by choice. Some of you watching online. It's not by choice. You're maybe incarcerated. And this is the only lifeline of the Word of God. Some of you might be elderly and you can't get out anymore. Some of you may be sick. I know a lot of people sick right now that are watching online. It's not by choice. But that's when you need Him the most. It's when you feel isolated. Some, though, you're isolating by choice. You may be present here, but you're isolated could be grief. You just don't want to be with anybody because of the loss in your life. Could be fear. You're just afraid to get out. Fearful. Or it could be offense. You really don't want to be with that family because you just remember what that father-in-law said about you. There's hurt that happens in church. Hurts that happens in the world. And everybody wants to begin to isolate. Let me show you some isolated people in the Christmas story. The shepherds were some of the most isolated people. The most isolated people in that time. They were ceremonially unclean. They were isolated and forgotten. They were just out there in those fields. They were brash. They were crude. They were known for that. The shepherds in Jesus' time were treated with contempt. They were mistrusted. In fact, did you know that they would not allow a shepherd's testimony in a court of law during that day because they believed that they were so unreliable you couldn't trust their testimony. That's how they were treated. And look what God does. The announcement of the Christ's birth comes first to the most isolated group of people that society pushes off to the side. And look what God sends. He sends a host of angels. Look, Mary and Joseph are righteous. If anybody deserves the host, they should have had a whole choir of angels in there. But they just get one. But the most isolated people, God is converging with the host to tell you, you don't have to live isolated anymore. Jesus comes to you, and he takes you out of that isolation, gives you association in his family by the power of his blood. Come out of the isolation. Receive Jesus. Receive it. In fact, some of you, I want to encourage you to be back next Sunday. I want you to be with us when we start the new series on raising the bar and building resilience in your life when the world is coming against you. But here's what God does. He doesn't want you alone. Psalm 68 says, God places the lonely, the lonely in families. He sets prisoners free 
and gives them joy. God's going to give you association. But when you live in this, the enemy says, I want you to live in this consternation, this condemnation, this isolation. Here's what happens to folks. They just start accusing God and accusing everybody else for the darkness that they're in. It's interesting. I've been a pastor a long time. When people hold themselves in spiritual darkness, it's amazing how they blame other people and they blame God. Look at Israel. Remember the ones that were living in darkness? I want you just to see this. Isaiah 2.20, look what it says. Look, God's instructions. Look to God's, look to God's instructions and teaching. He said, people who contradict his word are completely in the dark. They will go from one place to another, weary and hungry, and because they are hungry, they will rage and curse their king and their God. I've never seen more rage in our nation than I do right now against leaders and against God. Those shepherds, instead of accusation, they started adoring. Adoration comes out of their heart. <laughs> they start worshiping God when they hear the Christ child is born. He says to them, on earth, peace, goodwill to men. That's what he said. And look at Mary's song. Look at this. Mary starts singing. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. Can I tell you folks that what happened in that first Christmas wasn't just for them. How many thank God? It's for everybody right now that you can come out of this box. You can come out of it. You can come out of that darkness. And I love what she says. She says, the Lord took notice on me and he gives me mercy. There's some of you think that God's forgotten you, abandoned you. But I'm going to tell you, he takes notice of you right now and he sees you. Because unto us a child is born, a son is given, and he is to be called your wonderful counselor that gives you determination, your mighty God that gives you identification through Jesus Christ. He's your everlasting father that gives you association with him in the body of Christ, and he's called the Prince of Peace that you can start worshiping today.